That's still a good thing to say, right? God bless America. Absolutely. Why not? Uh, do we have anybody that has served in the, in the military in our church? We'd like to honor you. Stand on up, Joe. Anybody else? All right, Cheryl. Thank you, guys. Uh, I see a lot of fingers going around where people haven't stood up. We thank you so much for your service, for your sacrifice, and especially for those that left people in the field. We, we, we grieve your loss with you. Um, this is why we celebrate this day. And so yeah, there, is a, there is a reverence, but because of their sacrifice, we get to enjoy freedom. And uh, that, there's nothing more precious uh, in our country than freedom. So we get to celebrate that today. We're talking a little bit about that today in our message. Uh, there's a couple of little announcements that I want to just tack on. Um, if, you, if you're on your way in on our display out there, there's a, the, there's a new little campaign called Play. And uh, we are in the midst of raising funds for a new playground out here on our south lawn. Right now we have grass and a donated play set that's it's have it's seen better days. <laughs> it's uh, it's starting to lean to one side, so I got actually got to get that out pretty quick. But uh, it's uh, we would love to have something that our kids can enjoy, something that our community can take advantage of. Uh, it's not going to be just for our kids. It's going to be for the ones that are across the street. And there's just something very special about a really cool playground. I'm feeding back quite a bit too. Hello. Can we get me tuned in? There we go. That was a little bit better. Anyway, uh, so I, I want to encourage you to think, begin now to think and pray about it. what would you like to give to minister to our kids? You know, if we say that our church, uh, our, our mission is to see, our vision is to see families transformed by heaven, okay, how do we, how do we actually make that happen? And there's nothing cooler than a, uh, than a cool playground for a kid. There's nothing cooler when they run out and they're just excited about being in the place. And I, I have a seven-year-old girl, so I'm a little bit uh, partial, of course. But I love to see my kid excited, and she's excited about coming to church. She tells all of her friends about how cool her church is and how cool the puppet show is and how cool the Bible study, uh, the, you know, the, the Bible lessons are. But she never tells kids how cool our playground is. <laughs> so I, I just want that. I, you know, and I think that that would just be a great way to reach our community and to minister to our kids. And there's a lot of scientific study about the science of a playground and the, and the mental and physical and emotional development that happens when kids play. We, our kids have forgotten how to play. They know how to play with this thing, and that's about it. But there's a lot of good science about the, the healthy emotional development that happens when kids learn how to play again and, you know, push kids off the jungle gym. It's, man. Chicken fights. Remember chicken fights? They, could, they could, probably can't do that in school anymore, can they? Anyway, so that, that's one thing. Another thing, too, uh, uh, Sylvia said that uh, the park is, you know, right up the street from the thrift store. The thrift store is doing great. It's doing so good that we're running out of clothes. So, um, yeah, I know. It, we have, actually, we've been blessed with tons of really nice high-end furniture. 
but we need clothes right now. Clothes are the bread and butter of any thrift store, and the, the sales are so good that we just need more donations. And so we'll, made it, we'll make it available for you on Sunday at these trucks out here. If you want to bring bags of clothes, just drop them in there, or you can take them by the thrift store, but we just do, we do need more clothes. It supports kids. It's a big deal. So kind of a, it's a win-win for you guys. So do your spring cleaning, and you can bring it to church with you on Sunday. All right, uh, I got to get into the Word, huh? Enough of this. Um, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit difference, and we've taken a considerable amount of time to define what, or more accurately, who the Holy Spirit is. That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that we have, is that the Holy Spirit is, uh, it's like the force, right? So we've all been exposed to Star Wars, and so we think the Holy Spirit is some electric force, that, uh, you know, you can do Jedi mind tricks with, on people if you have the Holy Spirit in you. And it, it's, it's, it's not true. It's just not accurate. Now, I will say this. The Holy Spirit will manifest itself in ways that are extraordinary, that are miraculous. But the manifestation or the miracle or the expression or whatever cool thing God does... That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is his own individual person. And that is, that's, the, that's probably one of the things that we just really got to get into our heads. Holy Spirit is a, it's its own individual. It's part of the Trinity. It's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. It is, you can, you can make the Holy Spirit upset with you. You can make the Holy Spirit happy. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. So it's got, it, it wants to hang out with you. I want to hang out with you sometimes. Sometimes I don't want to hang out with you. But the Holy Spirit wants to hang out with you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't want to hang out with you because, I don't know, you're grumpy or you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or you're not listening. Holy Spirit says, I can't work with them because they're not listening. So this is the, this is the, the, what we really tried to flesh out is well, what is the doctrine, what is the theology of the Holy Spirit? My wife did an amazing job. I want to encourage you to listen to those messages if you're confused about what the theology or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is. And last week, Pastor talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was, uh, if you were here last week, this pushed you. Uh, this, was, this was a really... Uh, this is a message that doesn't get preached on Sunday mornings, hardly ever. But it is, it is so key, and it is so vital to the, adma- the advancement of Jesus' church. And it is biblical. I mean, there's only two ways to look at it. One, okay, if, it is, if the, this is what the Bible says about what the Holy Spirit is doing and how, the, how a Christian ought to respond in light of the Holy Spirit— how, what it means to have the Holy Spirit indwelt, and what does it mean to be empowered and baptized in the Holy Spirit. If what the Bible says is true, it's a game changer. It's a game changer for non-believers. It's a game changer for believers. It is a huge game changer for bored Christians. How many people, don't raise your hand. How many people are bored Christians? Look, this is an epidemic. I'm telling you, this is an epidemic in our, in our, in our society, in America. We have a, we're, we're a nation of bored Christians because we forgot what the power of the Holy Spirit was meant to do. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 
I'm going to challenge you guys. I want you to get your Bibles out this week and study it and to read it specifically. Okay, what does it mean when Jesus was with his, his apostles, his disciples, when he was with them and he said, and he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, it could possibly, some, some theologians, some scholars believe that this was the point of salvation for them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. And then you know what he says? He says, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What? That's confusing. Why is there two? There is two. And we'll be looking at that a little bit today. And past again, you got to get last week's message. You have to understand what it means to have the Holy Spirit living inside of your heart, which every believer has. Did you know that? If you stepped across that line of faith, if you said, Jesus, yes, I want to make you the Lord of my life, Holy Spirit comes into your heart and lives there, begins to take up residence in your heart. C.S. Lewis says he starts to knock down walls and starts to rip out your plumbing, and he starts to remodel, and it doesn't feel good at times. But that's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves into your house. And sometimes it's a process. But then there is something called you know, the, the, the second grace or the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, where a divine power comes on you and has a specific purpose. And so today's message, today we're going to be looking at what are the signs or what are the marks of a believer that is led by the Holy Spirit? I think that's a good question to ask. How do I know that I am being led by the Holy Spirit? What are the marks of my life? What are the specific things that say, okay, I, I am in the right. I know, that, I know that God is leading me. I know I'm doing the right things. I know I'm acting the right way. More importantly, do other people see it in your life? Do your friends, do your neighbors, do your family, do they, do they look at you and do they say, Okay, there, there's something different about them. Another, another huge question we need to ask ourselves. Do they say, you know what, there's something different about them? What is it? What is that je ne sais quoi? What is that little something something, right? Why are they different? What are the signs? What are the marks? Now, I have, uh, I have grown up in the church, and I have seen people that have had these marks on their lives where they, they function and they, they, they produce fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you can see it. And you go, wow, that's amazing. I like that. And then, okay, here's the, here's the underbelly of church, right? The, 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 the dirty side of church. I have been around people that claim that they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Hmm? But there's no fruit. In fact, they're, they're no different than anybody else. But they have, they have taken on this self-righteous attitude. And so today, you're going to be able to, to know the difference in your own self and maybe even see it in other people when, you, when, you, when they say, you know what, I'm, this ought to be a telltale. I am super spiritual. I'm God's special anointed one. All right, that ought to be a warning right there. Okay, whenever, <laughs> whenever, whenever somebody says, I'm God's little special child, this, beware, right? Okay. 
If you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians today. And uh, if you want to get into depth in today's message, uh, come on Wednesday, where we'll be spending some more time in Ephesians. We're going to be, we're, we're really digging in verse by verse on Wednesday night. Uh, last Wednesday was absolutely amazing. So I just want to encourage you, uh, come on out if you need more of the word, if this needs to be, if this needs to be fleshed out. Okay. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start at um, we'll start at seventeen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Wouldn't that be nice if you knew what God's will is? Well, no, don't be foolish. There, there's your first step. Don't don't be a fool. But understanding what God, what the Lord's will is. Okay, here we go. This is interesting. Verse eighteen. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Hmm? Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, this is a famous, famous verse, a controversial verse, okay? Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is, a, this is an interesting study in contrast. So why would, why would Paul go there? Why would he say, don't get drunk on wine? Instead, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. That's... Does that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? I mean, honestly, and look, I've grown up in the church, and I've read this verse, and I've seen people try to take this verse literally. It, it, um, look, when the power of God comes on you, sometimes you can't help but to express yourself in certain ways. It grabs you. It takes you. It it overcomes you. Hmm? Just a lot like alcohol. Alcohol, uh, what is it, right? It, al- alcohol, if you want to break it down, it's a, it's a what? It's a depressant, right? Why do we drink? We drink because, well, y- your life stinks. You've got too much going on. You're way stressed out. Uh, you're, you know, you're broke. You're sleeping on the couch. Your boss hates your guts. The IRS is after you. And you've got all of these blaring problems that just, that they're, they're relentless and you're stressed out. And so you, you take a depressant to escape. What do we say? To take the edge off a little bit, right? And it brings, it brings a temporary relief. It, uh, it, it takes those senses that are focusing on a million things at once, and it reduces them down sometimes to nothing. And it, it makes life easier, right, for a season until you wake up the next morning, right? And everything is clear, and everything is painful, and everything is really painful. <laughs> so this is, this is why we do it. Because, look, I, I got too many problems, and I don't want to focus on them. 
The Holy Spirit is similar. But here's the contrast. Here's the contrast that Paul is trying to make. The Holy Spirit, it is a person, right? But it manifests itself. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit's manifestations as water, as fire, as a wind. Again, the wind is not the person of the Holy Spirit. The wind is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you or comes out of you, it is anything but a depressant. It is actually the ultimate stimulant. Because it, the beautiful thing, the ironic thing is that it says, okay, here are your problems, and they are blaring, annoying, they're going to kill you problems if you don't take care of it. And what, it's, what the Holy Spirit says, it, it actually crystallizes everything, and it gets you up and above your problems so you can see them and so where they can be taken care of in a healthy way. It makes everything crystal clear when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we have the breath of God on us, when we have the fire of God on us, when we have uh, the water that is, that is re refreshing us. Everything becomes clear, and not only do we just see our problem, but we see the solutions to the problem because the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our guider. He's there to help us solve what these problems are. So there, there's, there, there is the, there's the safe uh, analytical description of what it means to be drunk in the Holy Spirit, right? God's a wild God. We can't predict what he will do. We can't even predict how will we respond when we're in the presence of God. But I do think that it is very disrespectful to the Holy Spirit to pretend like we're drunk in his presence. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have gone there, but I've seen it, and it's kind of embarrassing, right? It's embarrassing. But we have to ask ourselves, do I want to be controlled by a substance that depresses, or do I want to be controlled by the ultimate stimulant, the Holy Spirit? You're being in a sense, dominated by one or the other. And the Holy Spirit's a really good choice to make. <laughs> okay. What are the marks of a spirit-led believer? One that has been, that has taken this on, that has said, look, I would rather be drunk in the spirit to be controlled by the spirit than be controlled by the natural forces of this world. What does it look like? First, um, the believer that is led by the Spirit overflows with praise and joy. What does he say? What does Paul say? He says, uh, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Okay, this is a huge expression of praise. This is a huge expression of joy. And this is something that we've got to get, this, this is something we've got to get into our not only into our mind, we have to think of joy and praise as a natural expression towards God when we encounter the Holy Spirit. That is the end result. A lot of times I have seen people that they get exposed to the things of God. They get exposed to the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And when they are exposed to that power, um, don't raise your hand. How many people have sin in your life? Keep your hands down. I'm raising. <laughs> Some people are going like this. Um, when you have sin, when you come to the realization, when your mind is renewed that you have offended a holy God, you, um, you feel remorse. Godly remorse. Oh, man, I blew it, right? I am such a spiritual loser. Or my life is so bad, and I know that it ought to be good because I'm a believer, and I've blown it. And, or this tragedy happened, and the expression that comes from the heart is not of God. It's one of, if the grief isn't turned to repentance, if the sin isn't returned to repentance, if it stays depressed and not stimulated, then you're stuck. You're stuck. Okay. You, you get in a, a powerful God moment, right? And you are, you are, you have the, uh, the holy sorrow. Like you are, you're heartbroken and, and you cry. You're moved and you cry. God, I'm sorry, forgive me of my sin. Or God, I'm hurt, heal my broken heart. You go to that point. And if your transformed mind can't get you from a place of depression into a place of stimulation, if your transformed mind can't say, this is where I was and I need to change the way I'm thinking and this is where I want to be and I need to give praise for that and joy for that. If you get stuck into this depressed mode, you're going to continue to cycle down and cycle down and cycle down. And you know what you keep on telling yourself? I'm experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. The mark of someone that is being led by the Holy Spirit is not depression. It is not a constant weeping and wailing and crying and woe is me, and I'm going to eat some worms, and God hates my stinking guts, and everybody else hates me, and my life is really bad. That is not the mark of someone that is being led by the Holy Spirit. Just because you cry every time you worship does not mean that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Just because you have an emotional reaction every time you, 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 you praise and you cry, does not, being, does not mean you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony makes me cry almost every time. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the genius of Beethoven. We need to know the difference, especially in this day and age, when, when we can be wowed and we can be entertained and somebody, even preachers, even worship leaders that function in, in soulish power, they can get a hold of your emotions and they can tell you that it's the Holy Spirit and that you ought to feel bad and that you ought to feel sorry for yourself and that you ought to be crying all the time. No, what Paul says, the marks of someone that is being led by the Holy Spirit is somebody that is constantly singing songs of praise 
and to whom? To the Lord. And to whom? To one another. There is this, there is this infilling of the Holy Spirit that is continual. And not only... All right, look, this is what you look like. So this, uh, picture me as a, as a bucket shaped like Josh, okay? And in this bucket, there are multiple holes. And the Holy Spirit is going to pour out his power on me or his power on you. Picture yourself as a bucket shaped like Cheryl, and you have multiple holes. And he's pouring out on you, and all the water is coming out of the holes, and you can get it full because it's coming in fast enough. The Holy Spirit will come in fast enough to take that water level, level all the way up to the top. But you were designed with holes in you so that you could reach other people. So this Holy Spirit that is in you is also coming out of you. It is not a pond. It is a running river. It is not stagnant water. It is water that flows. And we are the reciprocal to that flow. So we have to be always aware of that. Okay. So that's the, number, that's the first thing. Look, the, the, the mark of being led by the Holy Spirit in the end is joy, is praise, is happiness. Second thing, uh, it has an element, a huge element of healthy relationships. Did you know that? If you are a person that is led by the, by the Spirit... If you are a so-called spirit-filled Christian, if you are a plugged in, spirit-filled believer, you're going to have healthy relationships. You won't be toxic to other people. You won't be, people will want to be around you if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. What does he say? What does Paul say? He says, uh, this, is, this is one of the most popular words in American vocabulary. Submit. What? In verse 22, he says, submit to one another out of what? Why are we to submit to one another? Out of reverence for Christ. Why don't we like this? Because it goes against our very nature. Our very nature says, look, uh, it's my way or the highway. I write the rules. You're going to do what I say. Uh, I'm going into this environment, and I'm going to, if I can't control the environment, I'm going to manipulate the environment. If I can't overpower people, I am going to, um, I'm going to undermine them, or I'm going to do things to manipulate them. I'm going to uh, be passive-aggressive. If I can't be aggressive, I'm going to be passive-aggressive. And what the Word tells us is that we are to submit to one another. Why isn't that a popular thing in our, in our American vocabulary? Because submitting is a negative thing, at least that we think so. But the overall arching theme of what Paul is saying says, look, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are going to submit to other believers. He doesn't say submit to non-believers. He says submit to one another in reverence out of Christ. So if you are a spirit-filled Christ believer, you will submit to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to be dang right all the dang time. Is what he's saying. Maybe you are right, but some battles aren't worth fighting, right? Maybe in order to keep the peace, 
you don't destroy that person even though you have the right to do so. In reverence out of Christ, you have to have healthy, emotional, healthy relationships. The first part, you know, you look, praise and joy. Where does praise and joy, where does that come from? He says it comes out of your heart. It comes out from your, from your, your spirit, from your innermost being, right? It directs your entire life, this praise, this joy for the Lord. The second part, look, you have to submit to one another. This, this submitting is what, it's our emotional makeup. You have to be emotionally healthy. A lot of Christians are not emotionally healthy. Last, last year, we did the Emotionally Healthy Church, and we realized, oh my gosh, I'm an emotional basket case. <laughs> what led us to look at ourselves and look at our emotional spiritual health? It was the heart. It was the spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that says, look, church, you guys need to take care of some business. And you guys need to submit to one another in love. And if you don't have the heart, if you don't have the makeup to say, look, I'm not going to let anybody else in my life to hold me accountable for anything. That is the sin of pride. That's the sin of pride. Read Genesis. It's the big bad boy on the block. Pride is one of the, it is the worst sin that we have. Because what pride says is, look, I don't have to submit to you and Therefore, I don't have to submit to God. That's the ultimate end to it. I'm going to be God of my own life. I'm going to control my own life. And I don't need anybody helping me. I'm not going to submit. That's what he's saying. Okay. And then the third sign, the third mark of a spirit-led believer is that they have a, de a great desire to win souls and to build up other believers. Um, why, did, why did God send the Holy Spirit? You know that you can have it. You have to actually ask the Father for it. And John said, you know, John, the Gospel of John says, look, all you got to do is ask. You have, a, you have a heavenly Father that loves you, and he will give you what you ask for. He's not going to give you a snake or a rock. He's going to give you what, you what you ask for. And if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will get it. But why? Hmm? Why does God provide the Holy Spirit? So that you can get along with your spouse? So that you can make some more money? So that you could be prosperous? So that you could be um, successful? Is that why God provides the Holy Spirit? I can't find it in the Bible. I look, trust me. God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be successful. That's not why he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit so that you can be an empowered witness in this world. That's the number one reason. How many people feel inadequate to evangelize? you just like, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I don't like sharing my faith, I don't like rejection. How many people feel like that? Everybody, just about. That's because you can't do it on your own, you weren't meant to. Jesus said, Jesus said, look, 
I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And then he says, on his way out, he says, look, I am, it is better for me to leave, and I'm going to send you the Comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you may be my witness in your community, so that you may be my witness in your workplace, so that you might be your witness in the county, so that you might be my witness in all of the world. That's the reason why. And we get, we, again, it is, our, it is our misconception of who the Holy Spirit, because we think the Holy Spirit is a what, and I've even, I've even preached that on accident. I've even called the Holy Spirit an it, and my wife corrected me. It is, it is a who. Our misconception is we see the Holy Spirit as the genie in the bottle. Hmm? It's like, okay, I got, I got all these problems, and I need some cash, and I need some money, and I need some breakthrough, so I'm going to get my Bible out, and I'm going to rub it really hard until the Holy Spirit comes out. And then he's going to solve all my problems. He's going to give me the winning lotto numbers. He's going, to, you know, he's going to set these things up so I'm successful at work. He's going to do all of these things. He can, but that's not the main purpose. The main purpose is, is so that you will be an empowered witness in this world. And the second point of it is, is so that you will have power to do the ministry of Jesus. This is probably one of the toughest things that, that we've got to get through our heads is that we have been empowered through the Holy Spirit to do the same exact things that Jesus did. And Jesus even says it. He says, look, I have done all of these things, and you are going to do exactly what I did, and then some. That only comes from the heart of the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, sitting at the right hand of the Father, says that, you look, on this planet, you're going to do greater things than I did. What, really? How is that possible? How can that happen? It happens because we have a good and loving God. And that's what he wants for us. Okay, so those are the, those are the, three, those are the three things, and then the two inside of the three. Jesus quotes this, this is, again, this is a very familiar verse to most everybody. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, Jesus says, The Spirit, capital S, this individual of the Trinity, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. You see? This is the work of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and to recover the sight for the blind, supernatural healing, right? And to set the oppressed free, free people from alcoholism, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 when he says this. So the Spirit of the Lord comes on us and it want, he wants us to do those things. Set captives free. Do you have somebody in your life that is in complete bondage? Whether it is a substance or whether it is depression or whether it is an abusive relationship, God wants you to help them to be free. Restoring sight to the blind. Only the Holy Spirit can come on us where we pray for the sick and they, are, and they receive health. 
All right. My dad read this on Wednesday night. I got to read it again. If you want to get back into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through what? Through the Spirit. In your what? In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints. Who are the saints? Go go like this. That's me. I'm a saint. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, and deep is the love of Christ. Isn't that amazing? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Okay, do you understand how big that is? So God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that lives in your heart, he is eternal. He is all-powerful. He knows everything, and he lives inside of you. And if we would understand that, we would understand that we have an eternal God inside of us. And what does he continue to say? Now, to him who is able to do more, immeasurably more, than all that we can ask or imagine, according to his power, that, it, that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church. So, we have something inside of us that is unimaginable. I have a really active imagination. I could think of a lot of stuff, but it's nothing compared to Jesus, to Christ, to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. Philippians 4 says it this way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So if you are in God's will, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have this understanding that you have an eternal God that is inside of you that can do absolutely anything, that has immeasurable power, immeasurable strength, that, that love outdoes any form of knowledge, if we can get to that point, then we can do anything that we put our minds to. Nothing is impossible with God. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. Nothing is impossible with God. When we begin to think this way, when we begin to understand, when we, when we, we enter into God's presence with a transformed mind. And here's the, here's the challenge for you today. Do I have these marks on my life? Am I, am I a spirit-led believer that, that has joy? I'm not saying you don't experience sorrow in your life. I'm not saying that you don't mourn, you don't mourn properly. But in the end, are you a joyful person? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do we have this sign that says, look, I am 
Sometimes I'm an emotional basket case, and I understand that about myself. And I need to be a part of a family of believers that care for me and that I can care for them. I am dedicating myself to healthy relationships. I don't care how amazingly awesome you hear from the Lord or how many miracles you perform. If you are emotionally toxic, I don't want to do fellowship with you. I've been there. I've done that. No. The, the person that is led by the Spirit is able to tap into what the Holy Spirit is doing through his heart, through his innermost being, right? The innermost being is your heart, is your spirit. It is the Holy Spirit indwelling with your spirit in that intense relationship. If you have healthy relationships outside of your everyday life, and you got to let it out. You've got, you, ha- you can't help but to share this gospel message with the world. You can't help but to want to do the things that, that Jesus did. How many people want to do the things that Jesus did? We, say, we call it doing the stuff. I want to do the stuff. I didn't sign up for this to be a boring Christian. I better, I'm going to behave myself. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, what do people see in me? Do they see these marks of a spirit-led Christian? Do they see me empowered? Do they see me healthy? Do they see me wanting to reach and serve the world? Do they see that? If I went out and talked to your friends and family, and if I interviewed them, what would they say? It's a good question, right? If I have the band and the ushers come on up to the front, as they're on their way up, uh, I want to encourage you to be filled with the Spirit. If you ask your Heavenly Father, He will give it to you. It's not electricity. It manifests itself that way. It's not the genie in the bottle. It might seem that way when you have a wind blow on you, when you have a fresh breath of God hit you. It might even manifest as fire as it did in Acts 2. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are filled with a person and not the force. You have to let a person into your life. That's a very difficult thing to do at times. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you so much that you live in my heart, that you, re- that you try really hard to overcome the things, that, the, uh, the bright ideas that I come up with, the negative things that I deal with, that you, that you are on the inside working its way out, saying, look, Josh, you've got to take care of these problems in your life, and I'm here to help you. God, I'm so grateful that you are working in me and through me and from the inside out. And God, right now, I pray that not only will I have the Holy Spirit indwelt, but that we'll also be baptized in the Holy Spirit, where we will have that 
second portion of grace, that empowering, empowering grace, that work of the gospel that says we can go out into all the world and that we could preach the good news and that people will be saved and that these signs will follow those that believe. Father, that's what I want for myself and that's what I want for this church family. God, I pray that we will seek you, that we will seek your power and your glory and that we will do it in a healthy way and that we will be known as a church that loves each other very well and that loves this world and loves you. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. God, I pray that we will honor those that have fallen uh, for the freedom of this country. I pray that our fellowship together will be marked by joy and peace and freedom. We love you, Lord. Amen.